Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. What's happening, my friend? How are you? What's going on? Who is this group of people that I'm in front of? I love it. Talk Dude, to isn't, this, isn't this the best? Dude, it's the best. So, man, so I get to do this every every week, my friend. So I'll give you, I'll make sure you have the background, make sure you have the context, because we actually got this is the first time you and I've gotten to do this. This is the first yeah, time yeah. we've gotten to connect, man. So this is cool. I want to make sure you have context um of what we got going on here, who all we got with us. And then man, we're just gonna have a good time and, and talk all about Jason White. So it's gonna be an easy day. Um, we have got young men from all over the planet here. So we've got young men that are devoting themselves to 12 months of projects and challenges and readings and showing up every week with guest mentors. We're bringing in the best of the best of the best. So um, I was looking at seeing some of the people. So, you know, Sean uh, Anthony, right? So, you know, yes. Sean, Sean, Sean came in and, and hung out with us, man. We've everything from, I mean, we got Andy Frazella to, you know, Brian Callen to which I mean, just anybody and everybody, man, just that are good human beings. We come in, we get yes. to talk every Friday and meet with them. And uh, these guys, you know, you and I'll chat you a little bit. And then these guys will come in and ask some questions, too, man. It's an easy hour. Hey, let's do it. Let's All right. Do it. Hey, man. Are you having any audio issues? Is it is it in and out for you? It's in and out. For me on my end it, it is man it's in and out it is in and out um shoot i wish i knew yeah you're frozen up over there and then the audio was in and out too yeah I'm trying to, I'm... Mm. man frozen frozen completely frozen again is it me i think i mean I, i'm showing everything looks all good on this side on the text i'm it's showing everything's okay so I, I think it's on your end sir everybody else you guys have me okay everybody's thumbs up on that okay yeah everybody's got me okay it's just i think it's mr white we got something going on so um we'll see let's see let's see what happens um we're always we're always available to pivot if we've got a pivot so he's gonna jump he'll jump out and jump back in we'll give it a go do you guys remember some of you guys uh sean anthony came on a couple of months ago and he was talking about um he was the one who started putting on parties as he was in high school and in college and built out that massive party plan and business while he was in, while he was in college. So, um, Sean is a, uh, is a friend of Jason's here. So I'm really hoping we get Jason in man. So from everything that, yeah, Sean was awesome, Bodie. I agree. Um, so from everything I understand, Jason's got a very similar vibe, very similar personality, man, just a kind of a, um, you know, larger than life personality and a story to match um from what i understand he's doing a lot of uh government contract work which is interesting and he actually shows people how to do or how to gain these government contracts and he's building out businesses through understanding how to bid on government contracts which is an interesting thing man it's one of those things where when you read about that or hear about that you go oh well yeah of course there's people that do that like, of course, that makes sense. Of course. And I guarantee it is not anything any of you have ever been like, oh, you know what? When I grow up, man, I'm going to go, I'm going to go bid on government contracts. Like, it's not the thing we think, right? It's not what you're, it's not, it's not the big grandiose plan. It's not the thing that when your parents are like, hey, what do you want to do when you, which by the way, I hate that question for you guys. I hate it. I hate it. What do you want to be when you grow up? That's the worst dang question on the planet. It's okay. It comes from a good place. When people ask you that, I understand that. But it's a horrible question. The question is, who do you want to be right now? What can you do right now? Who can you serve right now? What does the game look like for you right now? Like those are the questions you gentlemen need to be asking 
right now. You're asking those questions. And then what happens is all these other things start to present themselves, other opportunities, the network, all of that stuff starts to fall into place because you show up right now the way you're showing up right now. That's it. And then, hey, by the way, sometimes you learn that as you're going forward, the opportunity is in government contracts, right? And you have no, like, you just have no idea. And that's okay. The earlier, the sooner we can get you gentlemen okay with the ambiguous, meaning you don't know the future. Nobody does. The sooner we can get you like actually like, okay, cool. That's actually a good thing. I'm excited about that. That's not a bad deal at all. Like all I can control is like right now, the sooner you get on board with that, the faster you get to all the cool opportunities that you want to have for yourself. Period. That's the way it works. It is the way it works. The more you want that guaranteed plan, the more you want to secure yourself and have safety, the less security and safety you have it's the way it works trey what's going on with you sir we're gonna get where i'm gonna kind of keep an eye over here and we'll see if uh we'll see i'm if back, back. back. I'm back. Okay. i should be good but go ahead you roll i'm letting you roll brother you roll right go oh ahead. you're just oh, letting like, yeah, you just let me get it huh all right i didn't even know you were here man let's <laughs> I'm see loving it, man. Loving it. oh let's see all right let's get you so yeah man let me, i want to spotlight boom 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 so i was telling them Wow, I'm telling them, like, this is like, you're a prime example of making your life happy. Like, I, I guarantee, and we'll get into it, but I guarantee Jason didn't grow up going, you know what, I'm going to become an expert in gaining government contracts around running. No. Like, there's no way. Like, that's not a thing no. that we talk about when we're growing up, man. But you're like, you have, have made this work and you're the best of the best when it comes to that. So we're going to get to all that, man. So I want to, again, so just context, these young guys are the best of the best here. They're pouring in. We want to learn about you, talk about you. You and I will chat a little bit about your whole journey, man, and then they'll jump in with some questions. Yeah. Do it, bro. Easy day. Easy day. So I want to, I always like to start going back to Jason when Jason was the same age as some of these young men here, right? When Jason's 12 when jason's 14 when jason's 16 like who is that young buck where is he at in the world and what's he doing i'm a gamer that's when nintendo and sega genesis first came out so i'm playing i'm playing mortal kombat i'm playing nba jams i'm playing super mario brothers man i'm doing that and then i'm thinking you know i'm going to the nba because i was really good at basketball and football but basketball was really my my thing 11 and 12 <clears throat> excuse me 11 and 12 oh my god you couldn't tell me nothing that's when Allen Iverson was starting to emerge at Georgetown University and I was like yeah this is it for me man now I will tell you this <clears throat> I knew that I was always a class clown I knew I always wanted the the entertainment factor so in school I didn't go to school to traditional way, right? I went to school because those were all my friends and I knew I had an audience and a crowd. Yep. And that's why I enjoyed getting up every morning going to school. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's what I, I was hear, when I was 11 to 12, man. I hear that, man. I hear. So were you growing up in Philly? Like why Why the Iverson? Well, I guess he was going to Georgetown, so you made it. Like what, what, what brought you to Allen Iverson, man? Where were you growing up? Where were you in the world? Good question, man. I was in Norfolk, Virginia, and okay. Allen Iverson is from Newport News, Virginia. So okay. he grew up about uh, 35, 40 minutes away from me. Okay. So everybody kind of, you know, embraced and, you know, loved the fact that Allen Iverson was making this big splash or about to make this big splash in college and in the NBA. Yes, sir. I love it, man. Yeah, so Hampton Rose, David, Hampton Rose. That's right. Dude, man, that's it. So I know it does. You can't tell because we're personally, well, I mean, we're on a screen, but also I'm a 5'9 white dude. I used to be able to throw it down. Yeah, I know. I believe it. Listen, I used to be able to throw it down. <laughs> I used to be able to throw it down. So I played ball a little bit too. Actually, man, my senior year, one of the teams that we played against, so I grew up in Northern California. Okay. And, uh, and one of the teams we played against was Vallejo High School. And so our senior year, Vallejo High School, three of their starters, one of them was was Brandon Armstrong, went on to play at Pepperdine and for the New Jersey Nets. Uh, one of them was Wesley Wilson, seven-footer, who actually went on to play center at Georgetown. And then 
the third one was CC Sabathia, uh, who obviously went on to do yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did all right. But man, that was a uh, that was a squad. So I'm right there with you. That's awesome. Yes, man. So all right, so you're you're a young buck getting ready to go to the NBA, and then, yeah. uh, but but at some point the video games right. have to run out. So is this a okay? Now I graduated and I gotta figure something out kind of scenario. Is this a I'm just gonna do the traditional like everybody's going to college, so I guess I'll go to college. What what did that look like for you? The pressure, the amount of pressure coming out of high school to do everything the traditional way was through the roof. It was through the roof. My sister, I have an older sister. She's applying for colleges. All my friends that were on the right side of the track, because I had two sets of friends, one on the wrong side of the tracks, one on the right side of the tracks, right? So I used to kind of mimic everybody that's doing things on the right side of the track. So now they're applying for schools, and I didn't even even have that notion that I need to apply for school while I was in school. I didn't even know I needed to do that, because I was like, I'm going to the NBA I got to go to college first, but I'm going to get a scholarship. And I got no scholarship offers. Um, my grades didn't help me at all to get scholarship offers. So, yeah, man, I was just graduating with no plan. I graduated high school literally with no plan, like oh. zero plans, zero. Why in that process you said I have to? So this is something I relate to very much as well. So you said you had you had sets of friends on, on both sides of the tracks, right? You got friends doing the right thing and you got friends doing the wrong thing, but you knew to gravitate towards, okay, at least what are the ones that are doing the right thing? Like what helped you decide between those two or what, and what helped kind of like, you know, like differentiate because you, you obviously knew the right and the wrong. And I, I mean, again, I grew up in this man. I feel this. So Like what? What was it inside you that was like, okay, I gotta pour it. I gotta, I gotta follow the tracks over here. Yeah, everybody got that more compass, man. Everybody has it, and everybody has that good angel and that bad angel in their ear. Everybody has it, and it comes in the form of a loud voice or a feeling in your gut or a warm sensation. Right? Every time I was going to do something wrong, I got a warm sensation every time. Whether I'm about to tell a lie, whether I'm about to I got warm sensation. Whether you ignore or feed into that sensation or back off, that's on you. That's your moral compass right there. That's you. That's your body and your mind telling you, you know you're doing something wrong. That's it. So as I'm noticing the guys on the wrong side of the track not coming home for months and years, as I'm seeing it with my own eyes, I'm like, okay, cool. I, I, I I don't want that life. I don't want that life. If that is the path I will end up going to, let me try this college thing out. Let yes, me see sir. what's going on over here. And that it was kind of easy because I can physically see it. I wasn't a kid that heard about these stories. Oh, mm-hmm. I hear that you if you go to jail, or here, or here you get shot, or here you get robbed. I didn't have to hear it. I saw it, was a part of it, was always around it. So those things helped my compass just go the right way. Good for you, man. So what did that look? Yeah. Did you afterwards you had no plan? And and I, I would argue that I was in the same boat, even though I just went to college because that's what everybody else is doing. Man, there was no yeah. plan. So then I just end up a graduate that's now a college graduate with no plan, right? So it's like it wasn't <laughs> different, man. I just I just delayed. So what did that look like for you? Was yeah, it so a- I got it was easy. It was actually kind of easy. So I didn't have no plan. One of the guys on the right side of the track said, hey, listen, I'm about to apply for college and I'm going to the Coast Guard. I'm like, the Coast Guard? What's that? He's like, that's the military. I said, cool, because I never was I never was going to the Army or the Navy or the Air. I knew I wasn't doing none of that. But little did I know, the Coast Guard is in the same boat. But when he said it, my, my homeboy actually recruited me. So then he took me to the recruiter's office. Boom. Now, watch this. This is a crazy story. I didn't know how to swim. And I didn't know that to be in the Coast Guard, you have to swim. <laughs> oh, I like this. I, that's how that's how much of lack of direction I had. He said he going to the Coast Guard. He a good dude. Well, I don't know what the Coast Guard is. Is the military okay? Cool. Come on, let's go. Take me to what I gotta what I gotta do. 
I ended up signing up for the Coast Guard. I did 10 years in the military, man. So that was the start of a structure and a plan for me. Was that a um, so first of all, how'd you learn how to swim? And then second, <laughs> and then second of all, how did you take to the new structure? Was it more of like a okay, cool, this is providing me a plan that I can now follow and try to figure out like what did you identify? Did, like, did you see that? Or was it like, no nah, man, I, I got it like this is a little weird to get used to, or like how did you take to that? All right. So when you go into the Coast Guard and you don't know how to swim. We already get up at 5 a.m. So because you don't know how to swim, you got to go to remedial swim, and you have to get up at 4 a.m. So I got up at 4 a.m. for two months to learn how to swim. Because <laughs> you got to pass these tests. You got to pass these swimming tests. So I had to get up at 4 a.m. Now, when we go to the structure piece, so I wasn't wild, but I was wild, right? I I, I was I grew up in a single parent Household, my mom did the best job she could with me with a woman trying to raise a man in that society. And I think she did an amazing job, but I was wild, right? So now I get into the Coast Guard and they saying, 4 a.m., you got to be up on your uniform. You got to march like this, man. I bucked, I bucked the whole system until they broke me. Man, they broke me to build me up. I, I'm not going to, I don't have anything bad to say about the military. They broke me down to build me up. I needed to be broken down. I needed to be stripped away from my old thoughts, my old processes, um, and things of that nature to be built back up a different way. But I bought the system, man. I got into a fight the second day there. Um, me and a the guy that I got into a fight with, they tied a lanyard to our arm. So everywhere we went, we had to go together. I'm talking about showers, bathroom, bed, eating. He had to come with me to remedial swim, right? Because we got to fight. So <laughs> the uh, Coast Guard and the military is good for structure, and it did what it was supposed to do for me. Man, that's so funny. I love it. Uh, I love it, man. I So I, ah, gosh, how, I was probably 10, 11. I remember going to a summer camp. Same thing, man, at a summer camp, getting into a fight with a guy, and they made us hold hands the rest of the day. We had to go through, it was like, we're going to go play tennis. And we had to hold hands and try to try, you know, try to run. And we had, I was forehand, he was backhand, you know? That's so funny, man. Uh, that's awesome. So you got that structure, you got Coast Guard. Now, were you thinking career military at that time? Are you thinking I'm going to stay? Because you stayed 10 years, but were you thinking I'm going to go full 20? Were you, or did you start to look for an out? And what did that plan? Now that you've got structure under your belt, now that you've got... You know, this skill set, you said you stripped away that past and you've got this new person that's coming out of that. Were you thinking yeah. career or did you think you had a different plan? Yeah, so I'm thinking career. I'm like, man, life is good, man. I'm young. I'm, I, I'm 18, 19. I'm making like $5,000 every paycheck because I'm climbing through the ranks pretty easily, right? If people don't know, on this call, the Coast Guard has only 38,000 members. That's it. So it's easy to go from an E1 to an E6. It's, just, it's easy to get pay raises. It's just easy to get a new pay rate. So I was killing them. I was killing them. And one of the things that happened was, man, as I'm building the new structure, my past is still creeping. My past is creeping. So I did 10 years in the Coast Guard, but I did two years of that 10 in the brig which is military prison, military jail, because the yes, past sure. is creeping in. I'm doing things the right way, but I'm tempted to still listen to the evil side versus the good side, and I end up listening to the evil side, and I did two years in uh, U.S. Coast, in, well, it's military jail. It's called the brig, so. Yes, sir. Yeah, I did two years in that. Are you, so are you thankful for that? Like, was that um, a transfer? Yeah. A thousand yeah. percent, man. A thousand, like, it, Anything that happened in my life is a character builder. I'm thankful for it. I'm not a woe is me person. Have I had woe is me moments and, and self-pity party moments? A thousand percent, hundred percent. Even when I first started it in my first six months of that two-year bid that I did, the whole six months, I was a, a mess, man. Yeah. Why, why me? Why are they doing this to me? Like blaming everybody else. After that, after I got over that, now it's like, okay, 
self-reflection time, Jay. Like, what what did you do to land your tail in here? What are you going to do different when you get out of here? How are you going to serve your time here so you can be a better person? So your temptations don't drown you anymore. So I'm very thankful for those two years I did. Good for you, man. I love that. I love to hear that. How do you, so that woe is me kind of mentality and moment, man, you know, you know, as well as I do, that's, that's something we can slip into. Sure. You can slip into it because you, you are in the brig. You can slip into it because business isn't going well. You can slip into it because your relationship's not going well. You can slip into it because mom and dad said, you know, I'm going to take away your Nintendo for a couple, like you can slip into that really, really easy. Right. So what is it that you do for yourself, and I and I obviously I want to get to the, all the great things that you are doing now. Uh, but yeah. what is it that you do for yourself to proactively go against that kind of mentality? I mean, somebody always got to worse. Yeah, I, I always, I always, I always think about that. Somebody has it worse than I do. My situation is worse because this is just me, right? But if I if I look at the world in the grand scheme, somebody got it worse than me. So what am I complaining about? What am I really complaining about? And what are the things that I can do going forward? From this point forward, what are the things that I can do differently? So, like, man, I, I take you back into the story when I was 12 and I got in trouble. And my mom put my Sega Genesis in the trunk for the whole winter. Yep. I'm talking about it's snowing. It's cold outside, and typically you're supposed to be in the house on a video game. I don't even have it. Whole winter is gone. And one of the things that I did, like, I got over it because I'm like, man, somebody don't even have heat. And it's cold winter, somebody don't have heat, somebody don't have food. So I always can quite kind of circle back to somebody has it worse than me, and that helps me get right out of that pity party. Maintain that perspective. Yeah, man, that's no, that's great, man. That's powerful. So, so you get out, you've done your ten years, and so yeah. then because that's this is the this is the mythological, like, hey, you know, you now you've come out of the you've come out of the military, so now the rest of your life is planned out. It's easy. There's no obstacles. You know the path, or you graduate from college. Now, man, as you graduated, so dude, there's no yeah. obstacles. There's you just know the path. When you and I both know you got to forge a path. So what would you start forging right there? You get out of that 10. What, what's next? Man, watch this. I get out. So re- remember where I started. I'm trying to figure things out. I'm a street dude, but I'm not really a street dude, right? I'm in that life, but not really. So now I get out, come home, and I'm starting from scratch. Back at my mama house. I don't have a car. I got a pedal bike. I ride my pedal bike to the gas station where I'm working at. It's 2008 now. So the internet is, is kind of, you know, is getting way bigger. Um, you know, everybody doing everything online and stuff like that. And I'm on my pedal bike riding to work and I fall into a pity party again real quick, right? So I'm like, man, I, I, I don't know what to do, but I know this, let me figure out how to get enough money at that point, it was like, figure out how to get enough money to move out of my mom's house. Let me just do that. Let me just get back on my own two feet. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I was like, all right, this working at the gas station is not anybody's dream job. That's, nobody sets out and says, I'm going to be a gas station attendant. Sir. But at that moment, I said, I'm going to be the best gas station attendant. I'm going to get all the hours. I'm going to try to be a manager. I'm going to try to work my way up to be an area manager. Like at that moment, this is the cars I'm dealt with. So let me just be the best at where I'm at today. I can still look towards the future, but where I'm at today, I'm going to be the best at what I'm doing. And that's what I, that's, that was the first time I started to really appreciate where I was at in life. Man, that if, if these young men, if you guys don't take anything else away from that, I'm going to put that on you right now. You being the best version of you, wherever you are right now, you getting up each day and deciding this is who I have to be today because this is who I have to be will determine what you have to do. But you decide who you got to be and you come out at the best, like you're going to be the best, whatever that is for the day, man, that is the only way to move forward. 
I love that, man. So did that open up more opportunities for you? It just changed my, it just, it just shifted my energy. Okay. Right. So we we all know energy is never lost. It's only transferred. Energy is never lost. It's only transferred. So it transferred new energy within myself and, you know, it energy attracts as well. So now I'm, I'm just attracting good people, good conversations and just good vibes. And while I'm at the gas station, that's how I discovered government contracting, man. How did you discover this? Okay, so how did you discover this at the gas station? Tell me about this. So my, so my home. I'm working at the gas station. I'm part time. I'm doing overnight shift, which is cool, you know. Um, and uh, my homeboy that I used to be out in the street with doing dirt, he comes to the gas station. He's like Jay. I'm going to get a government contract doing trucking. I said, what? I said, what's a government contract? I don't, he's like, I don't, he was in a rush. I don't have time to explain to you right now. Call me, you get off work. I said, all right, cool. So I got off around 12, 31 o'clock in the morning. I ain't called him. I just went to his house. But as I'm pulling up to his house, all the police, it's like 15 police cars around his house. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. He got locked up that night, man. He got locked up that night. Five days, he did five years but the moral of that is i didn't have him as a resource to figure out what he's talking about right so now i don't have a computer i got a pedal bike this is how old i am i have to ride my bike to the library to use a computer because i didn't have one <laughs> so <laughs> i gotta figure out what he's talking about yes sir <laughs> so I, the next day i ride my pedal bike to the library and I started to go down to YouTube University, and that's when YouTube was was trash. Two thousand eight. If y'all don't know, YouTube was trash back then. Like you couldn't put A and B together fast enough because all the information was just scattered. So it, I started. That's how I found out about government contracting. I started in two thousand and eight. I started my company that year, and boom. Yep. So what, dude? So walk me through. So I love. So let let these guys know if you don't mind, man. What yeah. what that means? Like what what you're doing? What you're actually what like what you're creating bids for? And then what did you actually start implementing? So you started the company, but what did that mean? Like what did you actually do? What were the contracts you ended up securing? And and then how did you get to? I mean, all of this. Like, and how did you get to teaching other people how to do the same all thing? Right, like, journey. <laughs> it's so it's so fascinating. No, I'm loving it. I'm loving it, man. I got you. So you got to remember, I, I'm going to keep saying this, y'all. I got to remember who I was and where I came from, right? So I, I was a class clown. I barely graduated high school. I went to college for like, I don't know, a month. It was maybe like a month. Then I went to the Coast Guard for 10 years. So I don't have a lot of patience. Military, in the military, you don't have to have patience in the military because they want everything done anyway like this. So that was that was right up my alley. I, everybody's short-tempered in the military. Everybody. So that was right, that that was up my alley. Now I have to have patience with myself. I have to read. I have to digest information. I have to figure out what are they talking about. So I started the company in two thousand eight. Now this is what government contracts are. Government federal government contracts are the federal government looking for small businesses or companies to provide a product or service. That's all a government contract is. So if you have a product and you have a service, the federal government probably and or will create a contract to buy it or use your service every single time. So in 2008, I'm at the gas station, which means I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a huge network of people I can call on and I don't have a lot of resources. So as I'm keeping going to the library, I have to build the LLC. I have to start my company. I have to build that. I built I built my LLC. That took me two weeks right there. <laughs> and that today's world, you can do an LLC in a day. Yes, but sir. back then, I didn't know what I was doing. So it took me two weeks to do that. Then I registered my LLC with a website called sam.gov, sam.gov. I registered that website there. I mean, company there. So they could approve my company to be a vendor for the federal government. Now, watch this, ladies and gentlemen. Watch this. All my fellas up here, watch this. Now, 
The government wants a product or a service, but I'm working at a gas station, which means what? I don't have that product or that service. <laughs> I don't have it. I just don't have it. But there's, a, I quickly recognize there's a company that already has that product or already has that service. Now I'm just going to be the matchmaker. That was my mind. I was like, you know what? I don't have uh, 10 tablets. They want 10 tablets. I don't have 10 tablets, but there's a company that can sell me 10 tablets and then I can sell them to the government. But before I try to sell it to them, let me give them some information. And that's how I started the company. Oh man. It's, it's so guys, this is the, the, the concept that he's talking about here. I mean, it's a very, it's a similar concept that, that plays out in real estate too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, Aiden, Aiden on this call, Aiden will be able to speak to that directly, man. I mean, that's, you know, you've got this kind of wholesale component to what you're doing there. And it's, and it's, yeah. um, it's brilliant. It's not, it's not just the, you know, the flat, it's not just the hustle. There's thought that's going in here. I mean, there is some, there's a lot of forethought in here. So that, what kind of contracts have you ended up securing you utilizing? Yeah. Kind of this site or, or anything else that's in there. I mean, this is such everybody yeah. like, what I was talking to these guys about, right? Like you realize when you say this, like I realize it too, when I'm looking into what you're doing, I'm like, Man, I don't even think about the fact that the I know this, but I don't think about the fact that the federal government's contracting all these people. I don't ever think about that. Of course yeah. they are. It makes sense, right? <laughs> so, what kind of contracts are you securing through through your company? Watch this, man. The very first one that I ever won or was awarded was a grease contract. If y'all know what a grease trap contract is, put a one in the chat. If you don't know what a grease trap is, Put a two in the chat, right? I'm gonna put a two in the chat as well because I still have never seen a grease trap. I still have never seen it. And I won a federal government contract for that. And that's merely they're in the kitchen and the grease goes from the whatever down into a, a trap or a compartment and the company just cleans it out. That's the first contract I won. Now, after that, I've won laundry contracts dry cleaning contracts, wig making contracts, IT services contracts, real estate, armed, unarmed security, uh, moving contracts, moving furniture from one place to another. Um, man, you name it. I, I mean, I've been, a, since 2011, when I won my first contract, I've been awarded over 250 plus federal government contracts for physical work that I have not done. You haven't done. You have just been the matchmaker and provided that, and you have you have operated that's in the market. That's it. Like, just like that's like you were talking about with Aiden and the uh, wholesaling, right? Yes, sir. Aiden might not have a, a real estate license, and he might not own the property, but he in the middle of the deal because somebody wants to sell a house and an investor wants to buy it, and he in the middle put them together, make the money, go to the next deal. It's the same way. It's just with the federal government. That's the largest purchaser in the world with the deepest pockets. And also, too, the federal government is not a fad. They don't go up and down. There are 96,000 contract opportunities every single day. That's not like it's just 96,000 for this year, and then next year it's going to be 12,000 opportunities. No, it's 96,000 contract opportunities every single day, which means... Every single day, there's an opportunity for you to submit a proposal and be awarded a contract and keep getting that residual income from the federal government as your customer. Man, I love this. So we say, so gentlemen, here's what I want to do. I want you guys to be able to jump in and talk to Mr. White here. So if you have some, some questions, some conversation, you know, that you want to throw out there. Yeah, please raise your hand. I'm going to call on you guys here in just a yeah, second. Let's do it. So, but man, like, I love this. There's, well, there's a thing we say called fire aim ready, but we're like, no, man, it's not ready, aim, fire. It's fire aim ready. You take a step forward. You, you put your best foot forward. You go do, and you figure it out a little bit along the way, right? There's a little bit of, of building the airplane as you're flying that sort of deal, man. And that's, that's the way learning gets expedited. It's the way mistakes can get expedited, which is again, another form of learning, right? And it just, it, it, so many people are sitting back waiting for that perfect plan, that mentality, man, is what you're bringing in here, figuring out along the way and becoming wildly successful because of that. I have so much respect, man, for that. That's what that's what education is. That's what 
genius is, it is going forward like that and figuring out as you go, man. So just uh, mad respect for that. Mad respect. Yes, sir. All right. I think what, I think one of the biggest tools is like, like that's in my book that's behind me, right? The unconventional path of success. Like I can't, I haven't, I'm not the guy that just can sit down in the classroom and learn. That's just not my style. Now, obviously there are um, professions that you have to do that. Lawyers, doctors, uh, and so on. The list go, goes on, right? But in today's world, if you have a mentality of never giving up, if you have a mentality to understand what sacrifice looks like, if you have a mentality of being the hustler and being consistent and not being a quitter, there's an opportunity for you out here. This one is just a perfect opportunity because you were the largest purchaser in the world. That's exactly right, man. So, and I want to, and I want to, you know, I'll make sure before we end, I want to make sure everybody knows what this book's about. I want to make sure everybody knows where to grab the book. I want to make okay. sure we're doing our due diligence to promote on that side too. But what, just real quick before we grab Aiden, what made you decide to even put that out there? Cause that's a lot of work, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, so I think a lot of people and, you know, again, I appreciate you for inviting me here, man, on your platform. I get asked questions all the time about my start, my mentality. What about this? How did I shift and pivot over here and over there? And I'm like, you know what? I need to put that into a book. It's not, my book isn't about government contracts. My book is about my unconventional path, right? My mindset, my physical well-being. How did I handle the uh, environment around me? How did I use the environment around me? So it's so many things that, I still do that I took from back then. Like I said, I was a, I always been a class clown, but being a class clown let me know that I have a high level of communication because I can put people's body into motion with words. And yes, I recognize that from back then and, and it correlates today. Yes, sir. That's a superpower. <laughs> yes, sir. Superpower. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that I can tell you, and again, man, I just feel like I could just kick with you all, all day and just and just chat, man. I want to get these guys in here, but I tell you, like growing up, what you said, having friends on both sides of the tracks, man, I am so grateful for that too, because I do believe that has helped to create the superpower of being able to connect with anybody, like legitimately being able to connect with anybody. Right? I can find common ground with pretty much anybody on the planet quickly. Right. And genuinely yep. take an interest in them. And I, and I think you've got a little bit about that background, too, and that ability, man. So that's a big deal. That's cool. Absolutely. Because our, our ability to move around in different rooms versus yes, moving in the same room helps us understand other people's lives and consequences that they have, may have faced to give our perspective of life a much broader perspective versus somebody else who can't connect with the narrow perspective. Yes, sir. Brilliant. Beautiful. All right, Aiden, let's get you in here, sir. Mr. White, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's it's really interesting. I've got a good friend who lives down in, in Norfolk. Who's a, he's an international arms dealer who I've done some business with in the past. And we've been talking about building a contract company for uh, a little while now. So you being on this call is, is somewhat fortuitous, I would say. And to that end, I just had a couple of questions for you regarding some KPIs like uh, across the industry of contracting. The first one is, so you put out a bid and you're, you're going to have some type of a conversion on those bids, right? How many proposals you submit. So what is the average conversion to win a contract? How many proposals are you expecting to put out before you get one that's coming back? Yeah, mine is, so, I, so my mentality is never about ratios and numbers, right? You are going to play a, a, a ratio and numbers game at the end of the year. But during the month, you shouldn't do that. You should just submit it and keep going. Watch, rinse, repeat, right? Because if you get wrapped up in a numbers game and you hit a number of 10, and then the next month, if your number is 10, because, you know, three or four months, 10 gets you an average of two or three, but then you go through a month where you just hit 10 and you get nothing, now that blows your ratio out of proportion, right? So my whole thing was... I just want to make sure I submit at least 15 to 10 proposals every single month, right? If I do that, if I do 10 to 15 proposals every month, I'll let the winning take care of itself. But my average is 10. If we, if me and my company do 10, we typically get awarded two or three the next month. Okay. It's kind of a 20. Got it. Yeah. And, and then to that end, 
per each one of those proposals, how long does that take on average? So obviously, right, you have to look at whatever it is and say, hey, there's an opportunity here. The federal government's looking for XYZ. I need to contact XYZ subcontractor and then go from there. How long is that whole process taking to put one proposal together? Is that like a two hour thing or is that a two day thing? It could be it could be one day, it could be two hours, it could be three days, but every every solicitation, because they're not contracts yet. So every solicitation has a uh due date, right? So let's just say you're looking at one and it's due February the second, you're gonna do all your due diligence to make sure that that proposal is in by February 2nd. So whether you move in two hours or one hour, you just make need to make sure you have everything that that proposal is asking for. So it's not it's not necessarily a time frame. Just get everything that it's asking you for and submit it on time. Because if you submit it in two hours, it's still not going to close until February 2nd. So just do everything that you need to do to get it in when it's when the due date is. Got it. Got it. And I'll try and keep this real short since I know that we've got a, a number of other people who are interested in asking you different questions. The third question I had for That's you right. to that end is in terms of like an average contract size, right, per dollar amount, what does that look like starting out? Since I, I've watched a couple of your podcasts and I know the first one, you had $125 in profit coming in a month and then that jumps to $7,000 yeah. a month. So that's a pretty big discrepancy yeah. between those two. Yeah. But on average in year 2023, 2024 with your company and the people that you've mentored, what does that generally look like? Yeah, so I the people that I mentor and underneath my toolage, they don't even tell me, man. I don't even know. But for me and my company, remember, I, the federal government looks at my tenure. And I've been in this business since 2008, won my first one in 2011. So we're averaging around 10000 11000 per contract profit. Now, I will say this. If you watch some of my videos, you know I don't, I'm not an advocate for trying to get rich off of one contract. I'm an advocate for letting the compound effect take effect. So that's why I have 39 active contracts right now because I believe in the power of letting the federal government know that they have a viable vendor that can do anything with the amazing history. And then secondary is making my profits just compound on top of each other. Mm. Got it. Understood. And I've got a couple of other questions for you. I'll spare those for sake of time and brevity. I just wanted to ask one last thing. Would there be any way to contact you offline so I could sort of spitball some of these questions at you? Absolutely, man. I'm going to pass all that information out at the end of the call. No thank problem. you, sir. I appreciate it. Of course. No, thank you. I love that, man. I love the uh, that concept of, uh, look, I got 39 active accounts. And so when you're saying that and you're building out that that understanding, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, residual income and the compound effect and all that, which is a part of it. But what you said right there is a reputation as well, because when you have all of those active contracts, it is something that is very easy to point a finger and go, oh, okay, well, Jason White's company, like that, their rep, look at all the contracts they're handling simultaneously. Like it just shows that you are somebody who can be trusted to do it the work. Makes me, it makes me the Swiss Army Knife company. It doesn't make me a niche down company, right? A lot of people mentality is I'm going to get in the federal government space so they can see what I can do. My mentality has never been about me. It's about what I can manage. Can I manage the contract and or can I manage the company that's going to do the work on this contract? If my answer is yes, we're going full throttle. We're going at it. Oh, man. Jay, I love you. All right. Trey, let's get Trey in here. All righty, sir. Thank you for coming on this call. Um, sure. Funny enough, a lot of what you shared about at the start of being, you said, mentioned being in that jail and just like thinking, be like, wow, like what, what have I become? And so I, I wanted to ask you, you started, you thought a lot, did you, um, sorry, did you think a lot about the future in that moment, or did you think a lot about what you need to do now? Mm, good question. Yeah, good question, man. I really was thinking about the now because in when you're behind those walls, there's so much disparity around you. And it might not even be coming from you. It be it could be coming from the bailiff. It could be coming from uh, the guards. It could be coming from your, your, your bunkie, your roommate. Like, it could be coming from all of these entities outside of you. So my goal is to every day just wake up with gratitude and appreciation. And, that, and, I, and I just needed to figure out what am I grateful for today? I need to put one foot in front of the other. Now, I, as I'm saying that, Trey, as my dude, my release day came closer, that's when I started to think about 
the sure. future, man. But when I got a long two year stretch ahead of me, I'm just thinking about day to day, day to day. All righty. Yeah. Thank you, sir. That That's one thing that I've um, started to realize now. Like I was always thinking about the future and like, all right, how can I, how can I get there? And instead of realizing what did I, what did I needed to do now? Good for you, ma'am. Yeah. yeah Trey, what you do now, over your steps for the next day. That's it. Right. That's it. Trey, keeping an eye on the future is fine, but your energy in the right now, what's the future made up of? The future is made up of a million right nows in a row. <laughs> like that's, you know, that's all it is, man. It is all the right nows that are in a row up until that point. So you can keep an eye on it. You can have a target. That's great. But you're focusing on the right now. And then you just every once in a while kind of, it's like you're, you know, you're just kind of walking that, kind of walking that, that tightrope. And you look up every once in a while, just to see how far you got. And you're like, all right, cool. But I got next step, next step. How am I? All right, cool, man. I'm doing good. Next step. Right. Like that's what it is. You're walking that tightrope the whole way. Eyes up there, but energy's right there. That's like this. Watch this. I love that, Matt. Look, listen. Y'all know why uh, in horse races, the horses got those things right here, uh, uh, you know, so because whatever they call, I don't know what they call, so they can't look to the left and to the right, because if they're not there, horses will veer off over here and veer off over there. But all they can see is what's in front of them. So just like he said, you can still keep an eye on the future, but you just put one foot in front of the other for today. That's Love right. You. Oh, man, that's so good. Yeah, there's all this... Right. Uh, Good stuff. That's a good question, Trey. Yeah, there's, thank you, sir. There's this um, there's this meme yes, that went around too, and I don't. I was like Michael. I think it was Michael Phelps in one lane, like swimming, right? And then, uh, and I don't think he learned to swim in the Coast Guard. I feel like he was swimming way before that, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and to be hey, to be fair. I can't swim for I can't swim for junk. I got nothing to offer in a swimming pool. Man. I cannot. I got nothing to offer in a swimming pool, man, uh, at all. But so you got you got Michael Phelps, and then you have this dude next to him. You know who's a little bit behind him, and it's a very clear. The dude is looking at Phelps, and the Fel and Phelps is just like he's just going right. And it's the whole concept of like winners are focusing on what they got to do to win, and then the losers are focusing mm. on the winners. Like that's it, like winners, right? Yeah. Winners, just focusing on full steam ahead and winning, and that's what's the next stroke, what's the next step, what's the next move. Oh, I love that's it, man. It. Mr. Saint Pierre, let's get you in here. Thank you, sir, for coming on the call today. I would like to yeah. ask you, who are some of your current mentors right now? Mm. Oh man, great question, great question. My mom, man. So I just got to keep it honest with you. My mom is my long lasting mentor um and because she continues to show me every day what consistency looks like right and i'm love i love her for that my father passed away uh, about 5 years ago but he was definitely one of my uh mentors for sure and i have a gentleman uh by the name of mr clark he's my mentor now mr clark is not in the government contracting space at all He's just a well-rounded, amazing man. And he continues to teach me how to be a man in the man's world. So my mom, number one, then it was my pops, and then Mr. Clark. Mr. Clark, love it. Well, thanks, sir. Yeah. And I met him. This is how I met him. Let me, let me go into how I met him, too. Like, I think people, so mentors, because I'm obviously, in today's world, I'm individuals' mentors, right, today. And one of the things that I enjoy about how I, and which is in my book too, how I approached being mentored by Mr. Clark wasn't traditional. I didn't say, hey, let me pick your brain. Uh, let me find out more about you as a guy. I didn't do that. The first thing I said to him was an act of service. Hey, man, I see you out here always washing your car. Let me wash your car for you today. I'll do it. He's like, no, no, young man, I got it. Okay, cool. Then the next day, Man, I, I just cut my grass, but I cut yours. Allow me to cut your Like, I'm giving him acts of service. That's mm -hmm. how I got my mentor, giving him acts of service, because it's one of the things that we need to do to approach a mentor, meaning we know we want something from that individual. Whether it's knowledge, whether it's time, we want something from them. But the worst thing that makes somebody feel like is that's all the relationship is about. You just want something from me. Right. So what are you what are you giving? Are you giving your time to th this person that you want to mentor? Are you giving them your energy? You have to 
being a servant is one of the first things that was a key to me getting my mentor, Mr. Clark. And I think some people lose sight of that. So, Mr. St. Pierre, I'm not sure if you're looking for a mentor, but whoever you're looking for to mentor you, do your best to be a servant to that individual and the knowledge and the energy and the time they're going to want to pour into you effortlessly. Mm, powerful. Powerful. Thank you, sir. Amazing answer. Of course. Love it, man. Oh, we got the we got the Coopers up there in Canada. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for coming on the call. It's a really interesting call this time. I'd like to ask you, I know you had that one friend who kind of mentioned the contracting business too, but throughout going through it, did you have someone that helped you along the way or was it just you doing it yourself throughout the whole way? Man, everybody wrote me off. Everybody wrote me off, man. Everybody said I can't do it. Nobody had faith in me. Nobody believed in me. I'm all self-taught, 100%. Me, my bike, myself, and that computer at the library. All it was that's all I had. Nobody knew the. So I don't come. I didn't come from a world of entrepreneurship. I don't come from a world of, you know, um, thinking for yourself. Pretty much, I don't come from that world. I, like I said, I came from a single parent home. So my mom was just getting multiple jobs. Then I told y'all about the people that I was dealing with on the wrong side of the track. So that was my world. So I'm the first generation entrepreneur. By, and entrepreneurship just fell in my lap. So I am an individual that did it all by himself. I wish I would have had individuals to help me and groom, groom, groom me and, and motivate me. I just didn't have it. So I had to motivate myself. And one of the things that I did, number one, was I looked at my bank account every single day. <laughs> I'm going to just be honest with y'all, man. I, I just looked at my bank account every single day. And I didn't see the numbers that I wanted to see. So that was my just keep going, just keep going, just keep going phase. And then uh, as I came around, you'll see, if you start to do something and nobody believes in you, keep going. Because one thing that's going to happen is once you start to get successful, they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. They're going to come back. They're going to they gonna come back. So if nobody believes in what you're doing, but you have a strong conviction in what you're doing, keep going. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, sir. Of course. Oh, I love it, man. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things, gentlemen, that um, it's an interesting understanding to get, it's an interesting realization to come into, but after two years and or two years, two decades in, uh, in education with, with, you know, men, women, young men, young women, I, I fully believe you cannot, uh, you can't even teach them, but you can help mentor, you can guide, you can inspire, um, you can impart information on somebody else. But at the end of the day, it is an individual game of, do I receive this knowledge and am I going to put it into action and do something with it? That, it's really what it comes down to. So even if you have mentors, the mentors are great, but the mentors are not a substitute for you actually putting in the work. It never is. Just like this program, man, if you just, if you come to the calls, you're going to get so much from amazing human beings like Mr. White right here. But if you never put in the work around your projects, your challenges, you build stuff, you never put in the work, your the transformation is going to be minimal compared to what it could be. It needs to be a yes and. It's both of those things, man. And nobody else can give you that drive. That accountability, we'd like to talk about accountability. That's uh, a buzzword, man. All accountability is self-accountability. You got to decide that it's going to be you. You got somebody believing in you? Cool. Awesome. That helps. You don't have anybody believing in you? Cool. Whatever. That can help too. Just, it doesn't matter. You go. Yeah. That's it. Gavin. I love you. I love <laughs> Hello, sir. Thank you for your time today. Um, My question yes, was, sir. were there any problems or mistakes you faced along your journey with government contracting? Mm. Man, ton. What? A gazillion. So, Gavin, you can see my personality, man. I'm not that polished. I'm not that professional, right? So you can just imagine how it was in 2008. So one of the challenges and the problems was my vernacular. I used so much slang on the phone, and sometimes I would cuss and all of that. Like, it was ridiculous. So they wouldn't take me serious as a professional business owner. That's, that's another reason why it took me three years to win my first contract. That was the first hurdle, just making sure that my language is professional language. That was the first thing. The second thing is I had to make sure that I can understand and interpret these government contracts, right? I'm, just, I'm a guy that just don't like to read. That's just me. That's who I was. 
I didn't like to read. So now I got to sit here and sift through all this government contract stuff. And I'm not understanding the government lingo. So that was another hurdle that I had to go to. But one of the, I think one of the most prevalent, biggest problems that anybody can face is making sure that my subcontractor is who they say they are. Mm. That was one of that was my one of my issues, man. Right. Cause I'm a I'm a guy that wants to, if you say you can do it, come on, let's do it then. And then I had to take steps back and do some validation pieces to make sure that this company or this guy or this woman on the other end, on the other end of this phone can actually do this job. So those are my three hurdles, man. Um it didn't take me long to get over it, but it took me it took me just enough time, right? Because once I noticed that I'm not getting any traction, I'm the king at not necessarily pivoting, but adjusting. I'm the adjustment king. So I will make the proper adjustments to keep going on the right path. So, man, amazing question. Amazing mm. question. Thank you very much, sir. And I'm actually not sure if you've seen the movie uh, War Dogs. It's actually government contracting. i um seen that a couple yeah. of months Thank you, sir. Listen, listen, those guys would have been perfect. They would have they would have did everything by the book if they had not bought them bullets from China. If they yeah. would have did that, they would have went to jail. They was good. They did they was doing everything else by the book, but you can't buy bullets from China, man. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, sir. I, I gotta put a I gotta put a movie. I gotta put a movie on my list, man. I gotta yeah, get a man, good one. <laughs> Logan, let's get you in here, sir. Do you guys got me on audio? We do, sir. Yeah, we got you. Okay, one second. I'm just going to, uh, if you could let Mr. Mack go first, I'm just going to move environments real quick, if that's all right. Oh, okay. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Mr. Con Mr. Conway, jump in. We'll do the last. I probably I want to honor your time too, man. So I know we had an hour. So I want to make sure, you know, if you got to do a hard stop and don't tell, you know, Logan can jump back in. It is what it is. I want to make sure you're good. Mr. Conway. We're going to wait. We're going to wait for him. We're going to wait for him for sure. Oh, thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for being here, man. I just actually had a strategic question. So in my experience with government contracts, uh, they pay slower than you can help an old lady across the street. So how did you fill the gap with paying your subs in the time that you had to wait to get paid from the government? Because a lot of times that lag time between big contracts I've closed on, I've had to wait significant time. I mean, almost a year to get paid on the back end when I'm paying my subs 30, 60. This is the number one question I got for you. You was on the state or the local level? Which one? Uh, state. I was government or nationwide. So I would do like you tank state, plants and facilities. But, you, but yeah, yeah. But that was a state level contract. It wasn't a federal level contract. Federal federal government contracts always pay on time. I don't care what the dollar amount is. Million dollars, five million, 10 million, 15 million. Whatever time frame they say they paying it, they pay on time every single time. So that's why I only deal on a federal level, right? And number two, I don't prepay. Do not prepay. On, on Now I'm just specifically talking about on a federal level because here's what happens. I'm not going to prepay my sub to do a job that they haven't even done yet. Right. Do the job first. The government, the government has me on the net 30. Guess what I'm going to put right. them on? I'm going to put them on the net 30 as well. So every right. everything trickles down starting from the federal government. So I'm never prepaying for a product or for a service. Now, we can be more strategic and get more details on how I don't prepay for products. But for services, they have to render or do the service first. Then you invoice me. Then I invoice yep. the government. Government pays me. I'm paying you. So and federal's not 30? Federal's net 30. Yes, sir. Wow. Okay. Did you have to get a special license to do federal? No, that listen, you said you heard my story, man. I yeah, I heard your story, but that's why I was kid. like spinning. I'm like, were you riding your bike in photos at the at the tank plant or what? Because I had to do photos and background and pictures. No, nah, that's, and I'm that's like, what I'm saying. My man's out there with a bicycle. I, like, what's going on? <laughs> yes, I don't know the red tape between the state and local. I don't even know what that looks like. Wow. But every time okay. somebody talks about payment, every time somebody talks about payment, I instantly know. That wasn't a federal contract. Like instantly, I instantly know it. Wow. So coming from federal government contract, there's a, a federal facility in all 50 states. There are no requirements on how long you have to be in business first. There are no certification requirements. 
There are also there are also no demographic requirements on the federal level. So that's why I only deal in the federal level. I had a lot of political thoughts in there and why there's a lot of leakage, but I'll be quiet about that for this conversation. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time, man. Oh, so good. Course, Matt. Yes, sir. So good. All right, Logan, last question. And that way we can make sure everybody knows where to find Mr. White and where to find the book. Logan, you're up, sir. Awesome. And we're still all good now, Dale, and everything. Yes, sir. We still got you. Okay, perfect. I'm so sorry about that. I was in the loft of like a chap or chapel, whatever. And then the pastor walked in, he was on the phone. And so I didn't want to like <laughs> talk over that. Oh, no, <laughs> so, <we're> good. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, sir, so much for coming on the call today. I really appreciate it. I mean, I came in late, but the little bit I've seen has been phenomenal. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious there, there's my mom and I were just talking yesterday about this idea. You're good. We got your audio. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, so my mom and I were just talking about this concept yesterday in the car and I was like talking about how, like you hear about like so many, you know, like at like people that were like athletes and, you know, in college, you know, maybe they were, you know, they're like, they're, they're stars back in the day. And then like 20 years later or 10 years later, five years later, they're like, like super lazy and they're fat, whatever. That's because they like accomplished it. They, they set a big goal. They accomplished that goal. And after that goal, there was nothing. And so I've seen that truth in my life. I used to be a runner and I set the goal of like, okay, I'm going to run a half marathon. I did the half marathon and I had to learn this lesson the hard way that I just fell off running. I mean, I'm still doing other things now, but like, not, it's not running. And I thought I'd be doing running forever. Now I've switched to swimming. But the thing is I've accomplished the big goal of looking at for swimming. So is there a strategy that you've found in your life to, uh, to, to like you, cause I still want to accomplish these goals, sure. but at the same time, it feels like there's a strong endpoint, like how you set never ending goals like that. I think you hit the head on the, uh, the nail on the head, my brother, watch this. Now this is going to be contrary to a lot of thoughts, but I, I don't set goals because of the reason why you said it. When, when most people set a goal and they reach it, they don't know what's next. They're like, oh, what do I do next? If you if if you don't have like that 12 month, okay, every month I, I got a goal. So I don't call them goals. So all I do is I'm a target hitter, right? So I'm, I'm, going, I'm going for my targets. Okay, by this point in my life, I should have obtained this, whatever this is. Okay, by this point in my life, I'm going to be this. I got a paper that I wrote out when I was 15 years old. I said, by at least 35, I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm going to retire my mom. I wrote that when I was 15. Now, did I know how I was going to get there? Did I know what vehicles I was going to use to be a millionaire and retire my mom? I didn't know any of that. But I always had it a visual in my head and on paper, spoke into existence that by 35, I will be a millionaire and I will uh, have my mom retired. That was a target because when I was 18, I wrote another target. I said, I will be a phenomenal man that can give back to this world. I wrote that at 18. I will be a phenomenal man that can give back to this world. So I'm just saying, Instead of using the word goal, because you mentally, Logan, you've already associated the word goal with the hard stop, right? Mentally, you personally have already done that. So just reassociate goals or the or the definition of goal with targets. And now that's not once you hit the target, that's not a hard stop for you anymore. Now, you know, it's time to obtain the next target. So you just got to retrain how you look at the definition of the word goal. So now when you hit your target, you're not stopping. You're not just like, oh, what's next? You know, you instantly know what's next. It's time to go for another target. Oh, that that's a fantastic answer. I've never thought about it that way. Because, you know, yeah. just like you were saying, like you, people often associate goals with like, oh, there's the hard stop. But like reframing that. And I, I love I love that idea of just like reframing your mind to associate it with a different thing. Beautiful. That's it. That's it, man. That was a good question. That was powerful. Good question. My my friend. So I'm gonna take these guys through a debrief, but this goes out. Our audience is um is uh we're we're in the six figures every single episode that goes out. So it's gonna go out to a whole lot of folks out there too, man. So I want to make sure we do our our due diligence, man, of where can people find you? Where can we find the book? Where would you have yeah. people 
go? Like, what does it look like to continue to support you? And what's going to happen too is I'm going to take these guys after after uh, after you sign off. I'm going to tell the I'm going to take these guys through a debrief a little bit. Um, but when we get done, man, I'm going to reach out to you on uh, on social too, man. I want to connect with you and just love thank it, you. Again. But where do we find nah, you? This was phenomenal, man. Appreciate you for having me. Appreciate for everybody that raised their hand and asked a question, and even the individuals that didn't and just was listening. Uh, this is phenomenal, man. So I can be reached at on Instagram at I am Jason White underscore. I am Jason White underscore. You're going to see me, man, with a big smile. I do stories. Even today, I do a segment on my Instagram that's called Ask Me Anything Fridays. I don't never have a time. I just randomly go live and, and just take a bunch of questions. So um, that's I am Jason White underscore. Then my website. Uh, for the book is unconventional, unconventionalbook.com, unconventionalbook.com. And I'm talking about my mindset. I'm talking about how I changed my environment. I'm talking about the pieces that I took from my broken past to mend my amazing future. Man, boom, unconventional. Cool. We will make sure we link all that stuff in there. And like I said, man, I'm going to reach out to you as well after, uh, after I get done debriefing here in the next hour or so, um, I'm going to reach out to you, man. And I just want to say thank you and stay connected to you, man, because I love it. I love what you're doing. I love the way you're leading you. and not just the work you're doing, but the fact that you're helping others through that work and the way you're showing up, man, it's it, uh, it it's needed, man. You're doing Seth Godin, one of the one of the best Appreciate things somebody it. ever said to me, man. And I'll say it to you, too. He says you're doing you're doing good work and it's work that matters for people who care. And I think you're doing the same thing, man. So, yes. Thank you, brother. Appreciate uh, the love, man. Y'all stay blessed, man. Talk to y'all soon. All right. Thank you, man. You have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us, 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11. Shaping leaders among leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.